supposed to say, are you all ready for this? No, you you start with the na-na-na's, and then you go, are you ready no, for this? No, that's not how it works. <sighs> you, okay, clearly you have not listened to your Jock Jams slam Well, no, tape I know how the literal song goes, but it's it's funnier when you just say, you all ready for this? And then, oh. then you come in with the Jock Jam. <laughs> okay. But then I can't do the ew 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 because that's too that's too new that's too recent that's not oh no that's that's mid two thousands what are you talking about I know it's disappointing where's your brain at John come on <sighs> you know I'm I'm low energy today I'm a low energy Jeb right now I'm just why sad <sighs> to, to build a time machine and go back a year and a half and that reference will <laughs> that'll be hysterical yeah. <laughs> You know, I exercised today. I just had a long mm-hmm. day at work. I just, I have no energy today. No energy for a bonus episode. I know. I'm sorry. <sighs> you want to talk about Game of Thrones? <gasps> Game of Thrones? <laughs> Let's do it. Jamie, let's preface this. You are a very late comer. When did you start watching this program? <laughs> Literally a few months ago, and I yeah. binged the whole thing in a week. <laughs> you are a sad, lonely soul. <laughs> Shut up. That's not true. I know. It's, ama- it's amazing the mainstream appeal this, that this show has. Um, like, it's a premium cable channel drawing hundreds of millions of viewers around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it is high fantasy. And it does have that kind of crossover appeal where nerds really, really get into it. But then, you know, the mm-hmm. casual viewer can also enjoy it. I mean, yeah. personally, for me, I think the show is impenetrable. But because even before I started watching it, I would try to watch like recaps just so I mm. could be in the cultural conversation. Like I knew the terms like Hodor, Direwolves, Red Sorceress, Red Wedding. There's always colors. Anyway, yeah. and I couldn't make heads or tails of any of it. Well, it's funny you mentioned the colors. Maybe that's part of the accessibility of it. You know, it's not the... There are also... There are impenetrable terms like Dothraki <laughs> and the Lannisters <laughs> and the Tyrells and all that other stuff. There's that high fantasy impenetrable stuff, but there is also an accessibility to it, especially in the timeline. I, I disagree. I, I, I dropped in... I wish I could find the actual scene, what it was, <laughs> but I, I can pinpoint exactly where I dropped in. Okay. It's uh, Marjorie Tor- Tyrell... Mm-hmm. enters on her brother, whose name escapes me. It's okay, because he's dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, if we talk about any characters, spoiler alert, they're dead. Yeah, th- this whole podcast is just spoiler alert. Because if, yeah, if, <laughs> if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you're not listening anyway, so who cares? <laughs> well, I think this episode can maybe be like an introduction to people. Like, again, the show is completely impenetrable, so maybe we'll, we'll try to get you invested in it a little bit more. Yeah. Help you understand a little bit what's going on. Yeah, so why don't I introduce people the way I was introduced. Okay. Um, Marjorie Ty- Tyrell, mm-hmm. uh, played by Natalie Dormer. Um, you can look online how to date her if you'd like. <laughs> That's a hysterical joke for anybody who spends too much time on the internet and dodgy websites. <laughs> um, she enters in the room uh, where, her bro- where her brother is post-coital, um, but her brother is gay, so I don't know what post-coital in gay terms is. <laughs> It's still post-coital, Greg. Okay, okay, got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> he, just, he just had relations. Mm-hmm. And immediately they start devising something. Mm-hmm. And immediately I know I knew that they were siblings, I knew what their motivation was, and I knew what their next move was. And so that, that I think, is a credit to the t- show's two creators, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, and how brilliant they are and how they're the real driving force behind the quality of the show. 
Oh, absolutely. Because based on yeah, based on what the actors have done outside of Game of Thrones, it's not them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's know. harsh. I, that is harsh. I'm sorry. Kit Haring was fine in uh, uh, uh shit. What is it called? Seven Days in Hell. <laughs> I, I guess. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was great in a forty minute <laughs> comedy sketch. <laughs> But all the actors are incredible in, in their roles. Mm-hmm. All the characters well-defined and written. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you talk about that gay character. That gay character is basically stereotypical gay, unfortunately. he's not. He doesn't really kind of transcend that, unfortunately. Apparently in the books he does. I read an article saying that, you know, the TV show kind of does him a disservice. The character Greg's referring to is the Knight of Flowers. So, <laughs> yeah. Played by Finn Jones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he's dead. Yeah, they're, they're all dead. Yeah, again, spoiler alert, everybody's dead. If, they, if this show is anything close to a hero, it is Jon Snow uh, as played by Kit Harington. Mm-hmm. And he's already died like twice. <laughs> yes. So that actually kind of is one of the demerits about the show. It is a fantasy show, quote unquote. Yeah. A lot of the drama comes from the political underpinnings and the kind of schemes and such. But there are dragons, which occasionally are good for a nice action scene, and there is magic, which just acts as a deus ex machina when they need it. And so, in one of those instances, you know, the Knights of the Wall, what are they called? The Night Watch? Yeah. They betray... The Night Watchmen or something like that. Yeah. yeah. They betray Jon Snow. They don't like his kind of leadership or his ideas, and they just basically Julius Caesar him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a big cliffhanger for the end of the season. But, you know, the sorcerer kind of comes in and she's like, I've only done this once. You know, she's not too keen on her abilities, but she's able to bring him back to life. Kill some Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, again, I don't like... I, I, that is the biggest demerit. I don't like the show when it is all about magic. Exactly. When it gets too fantasy-y, it, 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 it strains credulity, obviously. <laughs> yeah. There's not a that line. Not that anything else in the show is pretty realistic, but... Yeah, it's almost... You mentioned the dragons. It's actually almost a disappointment when they enter, because they're like a, a get-out-of-jail-three card. Um, the dragons are the, I guess, uh, daughters or sons or whatever of... Um, children? Children, yeah, children of a queen, Daenerys Targaryen. Mm-hmm. And her motivation is to rightfully take back the throne, go to the, the, the main hub of this, of this magical kingdom. Called Westeros. She's or, probably sorry, Westeros King's Landing. Yeah, she's probably the second thing to a protagonist besides Jon Snow. Because, mm-hmm. like, like Jon Snow, she's virtuous. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a clear goal in mind and and wants to restore, you know, power. But you know, does it in a, it it does it in the right way and is very noble. Well, she definitely has. It's weird because, personally, for me, I think she has the most interesting storyline. But it's also the storyline that is most removed from everything else that is happening. That's true. So it's kind of it's hard to get invested in because she's trying to learn how to be a queen. She basically raises this army from nothing. She has to kind of learn how to control everybody and make them happy. And also she has these dragons that act as a metaphor for the people she's supposed to rule. Yeah, because as the dragons go older, they get less and less out of their control. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a like a like a like trying to train a wild animal. Like exactly, they're, <laughs> they're within your control <laughs> when they're young pups. But yeah, they're wild animals. They're gonna act out and, in particular, act out on you. Mm-hmm. And, the po- but, and the populace is the same way. 
when they're not happy with her, they act out against her. She has to figure yeah. out how to control them. Well, I, not, not control them, but I like that that's a source of the conflict, is her mm-hmm. trying to learn to be a queen and try to appease everybody, because... At one point, she goes to a location called Slaver's Bay mm-hmm. and nobly frees the slaves that live there. Mm-hmm. However, but politically, she she runs into some issues like, um, oh, there's some gladiatorial fights that, you know, they, they insist have to keep going, even though it is even though she insists that it's barbaric, but she permits it anyway. Exactly. Again, trying to find the right balance, make everybody happy, yeah. which is never easy. <laughs> no, same with um, and again, Jon Snow goes through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if the show were actually probably just them, it'd probably be just fine. Well, but I mean, there is the there's King's... so much more kind of going on. Well, okay, so those are the there's there's three macro plot lines. One's happening in the south with the mother of dragons, you know, building her army and trying to attack King's Landing. King's Landing is the other big one we haven't um, covered. John, yet. excuse me, if Etho, that's in the continent of Etho, that's in the east. Oh, <laughs> oh excuse me, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's King's Landing, which is the other one we haven't covered, which is a lot going on there. But then we also have the North, where Jon Snow is up, and that's where the kind of wall and Greenland area is. That plot machination is happening. (laughs) So basically, the the main plot lines are separated by these three locations. And from there, the rest of the plots kind of like sprawl out like roots. Yeah, and they... um... I guess sometimes they come together. A lot, a lot of times they aren't. It's not until I think this season that they, one of the final seasons, that it's they're starting to come together. Exactly, and I think that's why the show kind of feels rewarding. The more time has passed, and why people keep yeah. getting more and more invested in it, is because the first two seasons, in particular, are very kind of dry and a little boring. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I watched them all together. I literally binge watched them in a week <laughs> so mm-hmm. i have a i have more of appreciation of watching it all run together i don't know how i'm going to be able to watch it week to week <laughs> i actually prefer to watch it week to week um just to kind of maybe kind of absorb things oh okay because i came in that moment i think is in the fourth season i tried to go back mm-hmm. and the first two seasons are just kind of a blur i just didn't care mm-hmm. and then uh, by the by the time i got to the third season my like schedule had changed <laughs> and, I, and i decided to space things out and i'm like i i did want to watch the next episode but also we run into kind of the show's other problem which is it's kind of a funeral dirge and deadly serious too (laughs) it does have some moments of levity on occasion that's true yeah yeah there's some (laughs) there's some funny things um it it does it's not great as an outright comedy though no absolutely not yeah if there's one storyline that that goes into that territory it's the odd couple pairing of a a knight (laughs) named brianna tarth and her not apprentice. What's the word? Page. <laughs> hey, squire. He's a squire. Squire. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Squire named Podrick. Podrick who is useless. <laughs> well, there's also. Uh, see, it's funny because I was going to bring up the other odd couple of the show, the Hound and Arya Stark. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and again, these two plot lines eventually meet because mm-hmm. Brienne of Tarth is looking for Arya. The Hound is basically dragging Arya around with her, trying to get a bounty on her, like try to get some reward for bringing this girl somewhere. Yep. And again, Patrick is there to prove himself because he's obviously useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, it's a great merit to the show because you can really—they've got so many characters and so many different uh, machinations that you can really just kind of like pair them up and move them like chess pieces, and everything will still work. Yeah, and I think that's because they're well-written characters with clear motivations and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes like clear, even though it is such kind of a, a brutal world. And I guess you don't have to like—you're not tied to any form of realism there. <laughs> 
Well, I think the greatest thing about the show is that it typifies two great qualities that are currently going on in television. Which are? There's currently no, there's really no kind of main character. So <laughs> that's true. Anyone's up for grabs. Anyone can really die at any time. And the show has definitely taken advantage of that at times. Mm-hmm. Much like The Walking Dead. But then also, it also has that great orange is the new black uh, quality where it's there's so many plot lines going on. Even if you find one boring, there's another one you're going to be invested in. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be something that you're going to enjoy. Yes. Whether you it's. And technically. Whether yeah, it's even though this is the sexual tension between Brienne of Tarth and Jamie Lannister, which, ooh, oh, <laughs> they make me swoon. <laughs> well, Nicholas Coster Winden will do that. <laughs> As we'll go into the Christie. <laughs> I will be her squire any day. <laughs> well, I kind of like that pairing because it's, it's, it's really the closest thing of sexual tension you get on the show because in any other instance yeah. that you know the man would just rape her or something you know yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like it's very clear Jamie Lannister has feelings for her but he doesn't act on them it's the only like no. amount of restraint you see in this world yeah well and, and it's also complicated I guess we should bring this up <laughs> <laughs> yes by his incestuous relationship with his sister mm-hmm. who is his... currently queen of... yeah his conniving <laughs> yeah <laughs> Bitch of a sister. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a, of a less. Uh, <laughs> no, bitch. Bitch works. <laughs> but it's it's not like a it's not a derogatory bitch. It's like some people are just bitches because they're strong, and she's a yeah, strong I mean, woman. She's gone through yeah. a lot. She's she's results oriented, and she gets those results. <laughs> <laughs> Even if a few kids have to die along the way. Yes. <laughs> All her kids are dead. Yeah. I now proclaim Cersei of the House Lannister, first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Seven Kingdoms. One kid is paralyzed because of her, technically. Oh, that's also true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bran. That's another plot yeah. line I don't like. I don't like it because it's the most dependent on magic. and. Yeah. So Bran is this kid who gets crippled because he witnesses a uh, brother and sister doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which throws the whole uh, throne into flux because of uh, the right to succession and things like that. So that's why they... He push, uh, the, I should say he, mm-hmm. um, the character played by Nicola Kaufman, whose name I can't remember, but it'll come back to me. <laughs> Jamie, thank you. <laughs> it's like one uh, of the easier names to remember. You're right, I know, you're right. <laughs> Who Jamie pushes out a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bran is uh, paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. Um, he spends most of the show just kind of like running away because there's like a fatwa on his family. Yeah. Basically all the Starks have slowly been kind of like dying off through the course of the show. Um, he eventually discovers he has magic powers. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he can kind of view the world into the eyes of animals. He can basically take over animals. And, like, 
and it's hard to get invested in because like for season five they just ditched that whole plot line we yes, don't see I, him I from season four the actor. yeah yeah and we don't see him from season four to like season six yeah and, and i really didn't season, mind <laughs> no the season was no worse for it <laughs> um i think that yeah the problem is again they're just they're just running away mm-hmm I know that eventually they have to go to that red tree or whatever, but yeah. it, it's too anomalous. Like what what their goal is is too anomalous. Um, well, I, he's, I can't he's, I can't remember the names of the other two characters that tag along. There's mm-hmm. there's his assistant. His name is Hodor. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite Hodor. Yeah. Which I don't understand why people connected so much with that character. I guess it's funny. Maybe I don't know, but whatever. People like Sloth yeah, well, from the, the Goonies. And, well, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because he's innocent. Uh that's true. Yeah. In this horrible, ugly world. <laughs> but there are two other family members whose name I, names I can't remember and who do very little. So <laughs> Yeah. And it's, again, you're right, like, they're fugitives, but also he keeps getting these visions, and he's basically like, we have to go here. So it's like, yeah. there's really no, there's no initiative to him or, like, kind of drive. Because, again, he just gets these visions, and he's like, we have to go here now. And it's just, it's hard to get invested in. And, again, it yeah. goes back to that whole magic thing. It's like, the magic just comes to the fore when it needs to and really yeah. the interesting stuff is the political machinations mm-hmm. or the just the uh yeah i guess political machinations because i think about let's go back to the john snow plot um mm-hmm. that's again one of the grand plots because what he's really what he's really after is warning everybody against an oncoming threat mm-hmm. and that's in the white walkers these these kind of zombies from the north who can mm-hmm. literally just take over anything or at least are supposed to take over anything <laughs> Yeah, so the big uh, the big prophecy of the show is winter is coming. You've probably heard this phrase before, um, mm-hmm. and this idea is that there are these these zombies that come from the north. They're basically like these frozen corpses, and mm-hmm. they've built this great wall to kind of keep them out. But you know, the idea is that they can't keep them out forever. And so we're now entering the when the show is taking place, we're now entering a period where the zombies have kind of organized and have now you know been reanimated and now are slowly kind of taking over the south mm-hmm. so that's a big uh driving plot point and yeah introducing... so it becomes it, it's becoming a, a, a well-done disaster movie <laughs> <laughs> with uh john snow in the in the dennis quaid role <laughs> he's trying to warn everybody obviously everyone's though is distracted by the the rightful heir to the throne and in their ambitions for that throne mm-hmm. and he has his brainy unathletic sidekick and sam yeah. <laughs> One of the interesting things about Jon Snow's place and the Night Watch is the fact that it's um, it's a post that no one really wants. They basically send... Some people volunteer for it, but it's really the, the post that they send their most undesirable people to. Yeah. Uh, Jon Snow volunteers for it because, again, he's such a noble character. He's the closest thing the show has to a quote-unquote noble character. Um, yeah. but then Other than one, Daenerys Targaryen, yeah. Uh, well, she's made some, you know, concessions, obviously. Yeah, I know, we were talking yeah. about the whole yeah. slave thing and the fight yeah. at the Coliseum. Um, mm-hmm. Well, he also, you know, he gains some friends while he's at the wall. And one of them is Sam, who was kind of sent there from his father because he, his father thought he was a disappointment. He's a very kind of <laughs> yeah. well-read, uh, bookish kid. Obviously mm-hmm. not very fit and clearly not well-versed to fight ice zombies. <laughs> No. Even though he's the only one so far in the show who's killed a White Walker. 
Well, th- yeah, technically Jon Snow has two. Oh, really? Oh, okay. With, again, the magic. Um, I'm thinking of my favorite episode. is called, it probably the favorites of a lot of other people, too, mm-hmm. called Hard Home. Mm-hmm. Um, the last, the last um, half of it pretty much involves the, the, the first time we see this real threat of <laughs> ice zombies coming down and pretty much decimating this whole village. Mm-hmm. Um, Jon Snow survives. Yeah. Um, but in that, in that moment, when it looks like he's pinned down, he actually kills one with his magical sword. What we find out is going to be a magical sword. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. some materials that you can make a blade out of, and like obsidian, and I think, is it Valerian steel? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, there's some materials. I, again, yeah, it was like a Deus Ex Machina out of it. Mm-hmm. While yeah. we're talking about that, there's another instance where we mentioned Daenerys opens up these gladiatorial matches, but it's actually like a setup for her assassination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when she seems pinned down, that's when her dragons just swoop in and just <laughs> carry her out of there. Peace. <laughs> so yeah, so it seems like the 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 magical. The high fantasy, or I guess high fantasy element of the show, really does diminish the the th- more thrilling aspects of it. Exactly, where characters we like are in peril. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's not like the show is running out of ways to surprise you. No, there are some like kind of lower stakes instances where it does kind of surprise you. There's another gladiatorial match you reminded me of, um, which the oh, shoot, who's the guy from Dorn? Dorn, uh, the Viper. <laughs> Uh, I think so. Are you, are you talking about the the trial by combat or whatever? Yeah, the trial by combat. There's yeah. this guy who wants revenge against the Lannisters. He orders a trial by combat, and the Lannisters have a personal bodyguard that they use called the Mountain. He's basically this yeah. seven foot tall giant, and he basically <laughs> just kicks everybody's ass. But the Viper, mm-hmm. he has a different kind of fighting style. He's very nimble. He's very agile, and so he's able to get the best of the Mountain. At least mm-hmm. until you think. And so when you think he's triumphed, the mountain kind of swoops up, grabs and crushes his head like a cantaloupe. And I gotta be honest, that moment yeah. really got to me. Because <laughs> I really like the Viper. He was a swarthy Spanish man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll charm your pants off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man or woman. <laughs> both. He swam yeah. both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of sex in the show. Which Yeah, well, a lot of the sex and the, and the violence, too, actually. Yeah, that... Just thinking about it now, it kind of makes me cringe. <laughs> I, there are a lot of moments like that. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it does just kind of feel like simple titillation, which kind of disappoints me a little <laughs> you bit. You think? Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's HBO, it's high art, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish the show would do a little bit less of that, but again, that's part of the appeal. It's like, oh, tits and dragons, cool. <laughs> yeah, it does work on that, that basic level. I like that it's, it's working at its like absolute limits of TV. Like, it's better. It's better than most other forms of entertainment, which can't like, well, poor network television can't do that. Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, a lot of movies are afraid to do that to preserve their financially stable PG thirteen rating. <laughs> so I like I like that it does go to those. Sometimes goes to those kind of extremes, like for good and for ill. There's enough merits to the show that they don't. I feel like they could do with less of it. And I'd like to think with time that it's been doing less and less of it. In the earlier yeah, seasons, right, it, it seemed like every other episode they were in a brothel of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know if there was that many brothels in medieval Europe. Not that this is a history show, but... <laughs> I don't know, probably. What the hell else were they doing? I guess that's true. They didn't have Twitter. Like, what, what, how did they fill their hours? <laughs> I know, and they're all going to die at like age 30 from the plague, so... <laughs> But I, I don't know if we're, we're selling people on the show, because I feel like we've really gotten into the weeds. <laughs> we have. Well, I'm just glad that 
you and I are like, oh my gosh, did you see that moment? And <laughs> I wanted to have an intellectual discussion about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. All its plaudits and, and its faults. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. The way the last season ended with the big kind of explosion of the church, I, yeah. I did have that kind of like geek out moment. It's like, oh, this is going to be good, you guys. <laughs> because, I mean, well, it's just a really well done scene. Yeah, it's and an it's incredibly a, well done scene. Yeah, and it's been a moment that's kind of been built up over the past two seasons. It's it's a show that's hard to get invested in because you really have to invest a lot of time in it. See, I I disagree because I I didn't remember the setup being that there was a bunch of bombs under the church and mm. I mean that and, was uh, that was like mentioned in season three and it doesn't come yeah to that was again it was season yeah six. it was like forty hours of television ago mm. like I I didn't remember it yeah but still I was so swept up in the moment I'm like they they didn't have to explain that like they could have just put a bomb under there I would have been perfectly content <laughs> <laughs> well the build up to it is also just great filmmaking yeah. You know, it's like that. It's it's like the slow motion train wreck. You see the character like crawling to kind of try to put the light out just in time, and the music is like you know swelling. It's this dirge of violence. There's that word again, dirge, and yeah, it's yeah. just it's just great filmmaking. And that's the other that's the other quality of the show. It's just really well done. Absolutely. You mentioned that score. They they actually pull it in this season's trailer mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it is, it is that great. I, I can't remember the the. Um... The name of the, the guy who posted <laughs> the uh, the uh, name. That's what you call things. The name. <laughs> I think his name's Romani something or other. Mm. But that's great. The production value is incredible. Yeah. Again, speaking of things that normal TV shows or movies aren't willing to do anymore, <laughs> <laughs> actually flying to locations and filming in real in real places. <laughs> yeah. Rather than on a green screen, I could picture like a. Like a like a broadcast or like a basic cable version of the show where there's a lot more green screen or mm-hmm. or quick a cuts. lot less time like or like not not can't have like the runtime of the episode has to be 44 minutes instead of yeah instead of being you know 52 one week and an hour plus the next mm-hmm. I mean I think there's going to be an episode this season that's going to be an hour and a half mm-hmm. but you know who knows yeah and they, they're claiming that. The final season, every episode will be over an hour and a half. <laughs> well, they're going to have less episodes. Yeah. And they also have to set up all the new spinoffs that they're going to do. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> HBO oh, is going to dig this into the ground, okay? Until it's not profitable anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I am thankful that it's ending. I One of the reasons I don't get invested in <laughs> TV or binge-watching is because I really need, I really need an endpoint mm-hmm. to invest in and... So I'm. That's why I've also like kept up with it. Is because I know it will end, or at least that's how. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do believe David Benioff and D.B. Weiss when they say it will. It does have a definitive conclusion. So. Exactly, and I mean, I think that's yeah. I think that's a great merit of the show is the fact that you can kind of see the end point, and it's building yeah. up to that, and it's just like it feels like it hasn't protracted it too long. So I guess that's the other quality of the show, <laughs> whereas other shows that draw similar ratings. <laughs> Hello, Walking Dead. I, <laughs> I don't want to mention it by name, but yeah. <laughs> Garbage TV. Garbage. <laughs> we should do a bonus episode about how much of The Walking Dead sucks. Yeah. <laughs> show is stupid. I was going to mention other TV shows I hate. We should do a podcast on that. <laughs> Let's do the hater TV podcast. Show sucks. Yeah. Inspiring haters. <laughs> yeah. Everything wrong with The Walking Dead in 45 minutes or less. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about a TV show for once. It's yeah. it's difficult because we just we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have time. And how the hell do you encapsulate what is it, sixty hours of television now? 
<laughs> I mean, we've barely done a good job now. <laughs> no. I think we didn't even mention the Red Wedding, which feels like, again, like so far removed. I know people get emotionally wrapped up in that, but it's, well, again, it's like, I think that's so far removed from what's going on now. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's the, the typifying point of why the first two seasons feel a little weak, comparatively speaking, because the third season is mm-hmm. the big kind of season with all those mimetic moments, like the Red Wedding, when Jamie yeah. Lannister loses his arm. Like all the big moments that you, you know remember. nothing, Jon Snow, yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. The catchphrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's when the that's all happens in the third season and that's when the show mm-hmm. really picked up steam. Yeah. I did want to ask who's your favorite character? <laughs> it's like asking me who's my favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> no, it probably would be Brienne of Tarth. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, just because she's noble but also she screws up a lot <laughs> <laughs> she's just trying her best and that i feel yeah that I, that i find very endearing yeah and the show is kind of light on noble characters so it is nice to see yeah. a noble character every once in a while lady sansa i offer my services once again i will shield your back and keep your counsel and give my life for yours if need be i swear it by the old gods and the new And I vow that you shall always have a place by my hearth, and... Meet and meet at my table. Meet and meet at my table. And I pledge to ask no service of you that might bring you dishonor. I swear it by the old gods and the new. Arise. She wasn't in much of the last season, so yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. What the hell? <laughs> what was she busy? Was she busy being in four minutes of Star Wars? What the hell? <laughs> oh wait, who does she play in Star Wars? So she is technically Captain Phasma, the Chrome Stormtrooper that never takes her helmet off. Are and you like, kidding what? me? Yeah. So what? I thought what was the point of casting her other than to put her on the talk show? <laughs> Such and they like built her up like, oh, this is your badass character. Like she's the new Boba Fett, and then again, she's barely in it. She's in like yeah. four minutes of that movie and does mm-hmm. nothing. Ugh. Well, she yeah she well she promises to be back in future installments. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Um, my favorite character is probably Varys. Ah. Yeah. So Varys... Explain yourself. <laughs> Varys is... Um, he, his title is like he's one of the hands of the king, which is basically mm-hmm. an advisor. He's one of the three advisors to the king. There's uh, Tyrion. Well, we haven't really talked about Tyrion. That's Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Um, there's Varys, and then there's Littlefinger. And Varys and Littlefinger, they're both these kind of conniving sneaky characters but they both come from very different places Littlefinger hopes that one day he can kind of achieve royalty he Mm -hmm. wants power Varys on the other hand I feel like he's conniving and he's sneaky but he genuinely has the country's best interest at heart and that's what makes him kind of interesting and that and he's also a eunuch so (laughs) it's an extra level oh I forgot about that yeah that's an extra level of characterization which is kind of fun Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. I you're right in little little finger, um played by Adrian Aiden Aiden Guiden, um is not <laughs> is he's he's just pursuing power. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really virtuous about him. Yeah. Uh Varys, I think I I find him endearing. I think he's more of a survivor though. That is true, he's, yeah. Yeah, like you can see you can see how conniving 
uh, Littlefinger is, whereas Varys, <laughs> I feel like, is flying by the seat of his pants. <laughs> well, I think that's the interesting thing about Varys is because when you first... He doesn't project that confidence, I guess I should say. Yeah, when you first meet him, you think he's kind of on the same level of Littlefinger, but then he does have this moment with Tyrion where he tries to save Tyrion and basically convince mm-hmm. Tyrion, we need you because yeah. you're the right person to sit on the throne. You're mm-hmm. going to be the best person in charge. And so you can kind of see that, again, like th- like the way he's characterized, you think that he's, you know, in it for just himself. And he is, you know, he's obviously not going to stick his neck out for anyone, that's for sure. But, well, no, I think he does. You're right. There's loyalty there. Mm-hmm. But it, he does genuinely, see... he wants what's best for the country. Yeah. And whereas you see, in sharp contrast, the little finger shows no loyalty to anybody. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> He'll betray and kill anyone who gets in his way. Yeah, yeah. Although maybe that'll change. Is there anything you're looking forward to in this next season? Um, Which I'm not sure. A complete coincidence. We decided to talk about this now. The season premieres this Sunday. <laughs> oh, 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 it's this Sunday? I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, that's convenient. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Shifty eyes. <laughs> Get that sweet SEO. Yes. <laughs> um, I, again, I just got to geek out, obviously. It's implying that the war is going to finally come to fruition. Uh, mm-hmm. Daenerys is gonna like come forth with her huge army and her dragons and finally kind of attack forthright and I, I've been looking forward to that. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be diplomatic. It's it promises to be violent, but it will yeah. be diplomatic to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you've got family know. now fighting each other. Yeah, <laughs> things don't stay diplomatic for long in this universe. No, they so. don't. <laughs> and again, the the show has been building to this since the beginning, so it's just kind of nice to see everything kind of come to fruition and come yeah. together. So. Yeah, so it's nice. It it's also like a it's it's also a little more streamlined this season. Appear it appears mm-hmm. with those things coming together. I was just thinking of we didn't even mention Arya Stark, who's another character with a clear motivation. Um, she's the last couple seasons like she's on her own and she still seems a little dissociated from the rest of the action. Yeah, and that's why I wasn't kind of particularly excited about where she's going because again, it's so kind of far removed. Yeah. And that's also been kind of a character where it's like. Fine. It was easy to root for her earlier on, mm-hmm. but now it's becoming less so because she's becoming a little more kind of morally compromised. Yeah, and you can't. <laughs> I mean, that makes for interesting characterization, but it's also like again makes it harder to root for her because again she's so adorable. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, I, I think part of that is because she's not in this group. Mm-hmm. She's not hearing different voices, whereas we we talked about how sometimes morally compromised or challenge that Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen can be because they're in these kind of societies. But when she's off on her own, and again, she's just pursuing revenge. <laughs> yeah. It's less complicated, and you and you don't you don't feel that sympathy when she's now a murderer dozens of times over. <laughs> she's literally been training with, like, this Assassin's Guild. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's... it's, it's yeah. yeah. And who are interesting, you know, because they're like, we only have to kill the right people, but of course she's motivated more by personal vengeance. And it's also kind of implied that they're not always killing the right people. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so... Hmm. A little bit of a moral gray area there. And yeah. all right, and we also we haven't talked about Tyrion Lannister, the star of the okay. show. All right, yes. While we're still talking, <laughs> yes. Let's just wrap up with this. Peter Dinklage mm-hmm. is amazing. Everyone's known this. Hollywood's known this now. Mm-hmm. He's literally... well, Hollywood's made finally aware, <laughs> thanks to the station agent. <laughs> His breakout role, the station agent. <laughs> yeah. Back when indie movies were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, a morally compromised character, but again, it's always been easy to root for him because he's always been a bit of an underdog. 
Oh, yeah, li- like a literal underdog. Yes, he's literally under everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's easy to root for him. He's also he's also the the, the wittiest character. That is true, yeah. He's like the... hysteri- he's again hysterical. Like he can be a comic relief at times. Mhm. Again, he's got his own he's got his own ambitions. Mhm. Too, he's he's virtuous kind of most of the time or, you know, takes action as well. So, yeah, actually, you know what? He's the MVP of the show, you're right. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think he's had the biggest career uh, gain out of the show than anybody else. Yeah. Well, again, because <laughs> he can do fine outside of the writing of David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. <laughs> and maybe made the right uh, choices of roles. Mm. Whereas Amelia Clark choosing to play Sarah Connor in a crappy Terminator reboot. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> Maybe not the best idea. No. Not not Hollywood's finest hour. No. No. Nor was Gods of Egypt. <laughs> or Pompeii. Well. <laughs> well, oh, oh, you're going to defend Pompeii? Yes, because it didn't, it didn't require anything. <laughs> just Kit Harrington to do anything. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Again, they could have stuck anybody, but you know what? He got paid, and that's what matters. <laughs> and he didn't have to go to Iceland to film, so nope. <laughs> good on him. Nope. <laughs> and they had to go to a warehouse with a giant green screen in front of it. Great. Easy living. Yep. Oh, these actors have it so easy. <laughs> I, no, I thought about the... There was a. There's also a big battle at the end of last season. <laughs> oh, thought, God, God a, yeah. Yeah, what a misery this show must be to oh, produce. Gosh, yeah. At least they're validated by the millions of fans that they have around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's got to it's got to be such a slog. <laughs> God bless them. I know. Ugh, they're earning those paychecks. And if they want to ask for more, they just get killed off. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's dictating the course of the show. Interesting. Nah. Well, no. I mean, it could be. I yeah. Again, I don't want to be cynical. Yeah. I mean, we did mention that. Uh, Brand Tarth, or Brand Tarth, <laughs> Brand of Tarth, Brand Stark, whatever. <laughs> the name's um, getting was excluded. Yeah, he was excluded for a whole season because the the character that plays him grew up <laughs> too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lost did the same thing. Yeah, a lot of comparisons. And that was Lost. that resolved well. <laughs> oh, shut up! Lost is a fine show. People just had too high answer everything. It's not about the answers, guys. Okay. <sighs> I, 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 yeah, that's. I guess that's another. A great quality of Game of Thrones. It doesn't have to answer anything at this point. <laughs> well, no, because again, you get swept up in all the emotion and the action so much. It delivers yeah. on that, yeah. And it again, can, like so, yeah. the people who are only like demanding answers are the nitpicky people. Yeah, who are the like losers. Yeah, how did the red sorceress, you know, birth a shadow assassin out of her vagina? <laughs> <laughs> again, why magic really is bullshit in the show? Yeah. And she's secretly an old lady. Where's her backstory? <laughs> How did she get here? How did she get to the Iron Islands? Did she take a boat? <laughs> did she birth a shadow boat? They should be fans like us. Like, oh, that was great when he throat and cut that off and blew up. <laughs> That's, those are the kind of fans they should be. Exactly. Uh, well, hopefully this episode has convinced you to give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> if any John, of this... What are we watching next week? <laughs> if this made any sense to... Anybody who's never watched Game of Thrones before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm coming from a disparate. I'm sure people have. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they appreciated that, you know, we, we, we were able to talk about it uh, yeah. intellectually. How about that? Okay. Oh, I can give, give it its due. I can give one little mini spotlight. Spotlight, spotlight, spotlight. It's time, Robbie. It's time. To Which is? Probably the best 
recap I've ever seen of this show, which is Gay of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> hey who introduced you to that huh? okay you did thank you yes because yes. i love the comedy homosexual and jonathan van ness <laughs> a hairdresser out of west hollywood oh my god did you watch game of thrones last night <laughs> oh the nicknames Whatever. okay watch game of thrones then catch up on gay of thrones <laughs> yes and if you need to catch up just watch gay of thrones yeah just the whole thing it's just as good yeah and then watch gay of straight <laughs> And now we're really off the beaten path. <laughs> yes, thank, you, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. And until next time, keep aspiring. Bonus episode. Oh. <laughs>